I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, it's Laura Whitmore here. And firstly, thank you to everyone who listened to and contacted me about the first series of Castaway. I enjoyed it so much. So much so that I'm back with series two of the podcast about podcasts. I mean, who knew that would be a thing? Uh, Today, we're going to kick off season two of Castaway with someone I admire so much and respect hugely. I met the one and only Dermot O'Leary a good few years ago, and he's always been so generous with his time uh, and giving advice and is also a big podcast fan himself. Dermot shares quite a mix of genres in his podcast choices, ranging from Edith Bowman's soundtracking to Christian Gurumurthy's refreshingly honest interview technique on ways to change the world. We have a good old natter as I learn about Dermot's passion for politics, as well as discovering that he initially set out to become an actor before his curiosity for interviewing interesting people took over. We also chat about the inspiration for Dermot launching his own podcast titled People just people which i thoroughly recommend you guys checking out it's it's incredible i hope you enjoy today's episode and as ever please do share your feedback and your own podcast picks with us by leaving a review but for now let's get cast away with dermot o'leary dermot <laughs> o'leary how are you i'm great welcome to Castaway. oh that's nice isn't it yeah Will I, there be music over this when you say welcome to cast? Yeah. Yeah, we have this kind of, it kind of sounds a bit like something from Stranger Things. Oh, lovely. I think. Um, so this is a podcast about podcasts. Yeah. Because we're, we're way down the rabbit hole. We're way down. <laughs> I, and so It's so much to comprehend. This we're is so a rabbit deep. hole. Not the one you're in in Glastonbury that I've seen you in, a different one. That's a really lovely rabbit hole That's to a be lovely in. rabbit hole. Um, but... I initially, when I approached you about coming on to this show, because I wanted you on the show and you're a very busy man, um, you've had very little sleep in the last while. Yeah. But yet you're here in studio. Yeah. So thank you. But I, it was before I knew I you had. I couldn't pull out. You couldn't. You make I, a commitment. You have to go through it. I know where you live. I, I, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. why you you're couldn't. You're my friend. That's likely it. Yeah. Uh, but when I initially was saying, oh, I'd love to have Dermot on the podcast, that week I saw that you announced your own podcast. Yeah. And um, I suppose before I even begin to talk about what you listen to, why do a podcast? You do so much already. I did. Um, I had a radio. Well, I've got a radio show on Radio 2. And I used to have an afternoon radio show on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to do one because of that. Because I had, I used to have a three-hour show. We had two sessions and bookending a middle-hour guest. Mm-hmm. And the middle-hour guest was a really lovely interview that I could luxuriate in for an hour. Proper, like, indulgent Parkinson style. I could listen they got to play some of their own music like they brought. It's wonderful. And now I do a breakfast show on Saturday morning, which which means that I, my interview slot is about half an hour. So um, I just missed it. I missed interviewing people. That's what I love doing. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I do for a living, really, is interview like an X Factor, even. That's what I do for... I don't, I don't know who's coming around the corner. And... And I've sort of come to a realisation, I guess, in my 40s that that's what you love doing. You love interviewing people and live telly and writing some stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I want to do for the next 20 years. And and so then I just thought, I just thought, well, how can I develop that? And going back to music, when I started out in television, I worked for a company called Princess Productions who made Light mm-hmm. Lunch. And I was a researcher on Light Lunch. And I had this incredible kind of dual life where when I got my job as a researcher, I'd already done a couple of pilots and I'd said to them, listen, I, I really want this job, but I'm screen testing for stuff as, at the same time. And they were really good with me. And and so I used to finish like lunch, which finished, I guess, at one or half one. I used to run into Soho from Westminster three or four times a week where we were, LWT, where we had the mm. studio, run into Soho, do a screen test, not get a call back, and then run back as fast as I could to be at my desk that I'd I'd only been away for an hour, an hour and a half, and then do admin for the rest of the day. And at the end of the day, me and three or four buddies who I'm still really tight with now, um, 
we'd start playing music if we were in the office on our own. And Jamie Glazebrook, who works on Peaky Blinders, brought in this CD and he said, this is, this is my favourite live CD. It's Frank Sinatra. Um, it's called The Main Event, October 13th, 1974. And the, and the guy that was doing the warm-up, so it's like Wanda Sinatra's like 20,000 comebacks. And the guy that was doing the warm-up was this old boxing commentator called Howard Cosell. Mm-hmm. Howard Cosell was a, a sports MC and a, and a journalist, and he was one of the only sports commentators who stood by Muhammad Ali when Muhammad Ali uh, um, didn't fight out of protest for the Vietnam War. So he's kind of lauded, and he has this very unique voice. He speaks like this, very kind of like mm-hmm. stuttered. It's Howard Cosell here, and here he's doing this hilarious warm-up that makes almost no sense. Yeah. It's like, October 13th, 1974, Madison Square Garden jammed with 20,000 people plus. People, just people. And it, the people, just people is what we all took from. So we, it was one of those kind of little, not even an in-joke, but just an in, you're in, your own little yeah, in-language yeah, yeah. that you always have with your close friends, yeah. don't you? And, and so where are the people? If anyone said people, you'd always go, people, just people. And so when... I didn't want to. I didn't want to do a podcast where I just interviewed famous people. I wanted. I wanted you do to that. Do, you do that already. Yeah, I wanted mm. to do. I wanted to do a podcast where I could just interview the most interesting people I could find. Some of whom are famous, and some of whom aren't. Just people mm. of from varying fields who have got something interesting and have had an interesting life. And and so I thought, what am I going to call it? And then it was people, just people. If you could pick anyone, living dead, to spend an hour with, one on one, just talking, who would it be? And this why? was this was tough, but I think I'm going to pick my hero, Nelson Mandela. I'd be like, right, okay, let's start from how you coped in prison, how you were able to forgive. How do you spend 27 years in prison and come out leading a country? Like, how? I think Nelson Mandela, 100%. Thanks, Annie. Podcast with Nelson Mandela. I know it is a credible series. You are going to do a second. Oh, yeah. Second last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something lovely about doing a podcast where you just don't have those constraints of time mm-hmm. or editorial. You go back to the, the time thing and it's something we don't really give ourselves a lot of. Uh, we don't have a lot of time. There's always somewhere else to go. And Especially towards the end of the year. I find in January you start to go, right, come on now. Yes. Get yourself together. Give yourself more time to do. Because I love my life when I get to do... I love my life anyway, but I love that. I love days where you get to do... I do something in the morning, work-wise, I do something in the afternoon, and suddenly about April, something kicks in where suddenly it's three things in the morning and three mm-hmm. things in the afternoon. And God, there by the grace of God, you know, it's a lovely thing, lovely position to be in. But I hate... The only time I'm ever unhappy in this world is chasing my tail. Mm-hmm. I hate chasing my tail. I, love I just, feel like a lot of people feel that way, yeah. and I think we're all in that same situation, which is nice when you do something, like an interview uh, on your podcast, when you give people time, when you can sit down and have a chat. Uh, I listened to Stephen Graham had yeah. um, Ed Miliband I, like, I've never heard them speak the way they did it was like eavesdropping on a conversation yeah. well, amongst nice. friends thank you because that's what I wanted it to be I yeah. wanted it to be I didn't want it to be an interview in the classic sense of the word yeah. I didn't want to and not because I want to disarm people I just that's my interview style anyway mm-hmm. so um, but it's great having that interview style but when you do live television what you have is somebody in your ear telling you to wrap up oh, something yeah, and I'm all man, you're trying to do I will literally <laughs> if I can ask a question that lasts at least 30 seconds I will Just that's just who I am yeah because I want a conversation yeah so to be able to do that with a, with a podcast is such a it's a wonderful discipline mm-hmm the great thing about podcasts, absolutely you as a broadcaster um, and interviewer, it, it's natural to you. With podcasts, you're seeing a lot of people who aren't naturally broadcasters sure. suddenly go into that position. And I want to talk about one that you have mentioned on your list. I normally ask for a list of four or five. You gave me about seven or so. Yeah. So. No, what? If you ask me now, I'd probably give you a different set. <laughs> you probably will. So, just because when you speak about people, well, just hang on, people. I gave you this a couple of months ago. Yeah, so you did. Has, oh God. You just refreshed me the whole thing. I will. Okay. <laughs> well, the first one I'm going to talk about is um, Alec Baldwin. Oh, man. Because this is a man who's usually in the guest seat. Yeah. And suddenly he's in the interviewing seat and he is brilliant. This is probably my favourite podcast, I think. Yeah. Here's the thing. And and it's here's the thing, because that's something that I think one of the SNL producers says all the time. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and obviously anytime you work in America or work with Americans, mm-hmm. they always say, here's, well, here's the thing, which essentially means listen to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shut up, basically. Uh, but yeah, I've now I've never met him or interviewed him, but he there's a curiosity. But whenever I meet young broadcasters or I do any kind of young workshops or anything like that with um, or either schools or charities, and you speak to people who want to get into the industry, I think you've got to be hardworking. So that it doesn't matter how many mistakes you make, it doesn't matter how unpolished you are. But if you're not curious, mm-hmm. 
You shouldn't be working in the broadcasting world. And what I love about Baldwin is there's a curiosity about him. I like the fact that so my friends Ollie and Dilly turned me onto this podcast a couple of years ago. It's been going for quite a while, actually, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, it's quite a lot up and there. And they said, you'll love him because it's a lot like how you interview. And what I heard was that he said, I'll do it as so long as I get to have who I want on it. But I'm thought, assuming well, oh, when oh, you're nice. Alec Baldwin, you can get some, yeah. some interesting people. And you do it as well with, with people, just people. I'm assuming you didn't know everyone as well on that podcast but does that you get some friends on yeah you get some friends on and, and then you get some people on who you just admire yeah or you're just curious about mm-hmm. I don't think I want to, to interview anyone in that medium that I didn't have some sort of admiration for yeah have you ever interviewed someone that you didn't like <sighs> or not to say didn't like because I can't imagine Dermot O'Leary not liking anyone but well I, it's my nature to find commonality with people yeah uh, you find the good it's probably a weakness no never I don't know. There's a lot of people who try to find the bad in lots of things. No, I know. But still, God, it's a good question. I'm sure there'd be people down the line that I'm, I wouldn't, I don't, you know, because I don't, even though I'm obsessed with politics, I don't, and thank God I don't work in it. So I don't, I, you know, I've never had that genuine frustration mm-hmm. um, in like entertainment <laughs> or broadcasting. You know, it's not yeah. really, uh, you know, I'm probably lucky enough to say no. Answer that question. There's no one I've really interviewed. I mean, people have had. I always think people are allowed bad days as well. That's the thing. Going back to uh, Alec Baldwin, and uh, I mean, he's had everyone from Chris Rock, Edward Norton, Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. Um, he oh. did one with Ken Burns, who's the great yes. American documentary maker of his generation, who's kind of to American history what Attenborough is to natural mm-hmm. history over here, and. And that was a lovely, lovely interview. I don't get a chance to listen to podcasts as much as I'd like to, largely because I don't commute. And when I do commute, I'm on my bike, motorbike. Um, it's not very safe not to, to, <laughs> to be listening to the voice of Alec Baldwin as yeah. there's a truck coming around so, the corner. Yeah. So when I am travelling, I'll make sure I download a few. And so always... is this when you listen, in commuting or travelling, that's your go-to? You're not like before you go to bed, first thing in the morning, No, podcast I, tend to, guy. I tend to kind of listen to what's actually happening then. Mm-hmm. So I tend to news. Uh, do news. Something I heard in one of his podcasts with Rosie O'Donnell, I was just, I don't know, it, it kind of uh, it made me think about starting out in television. And it was Rosie saying, I never had a fallback on purpose. And I remember when I first said to my dad I wanted to get into TV or drama, he's like, well, what's your fallback? Because that was your go-to, what's your fallback? Yeah. Did you think that way? I know you worked in television. That was my fallback. That, your, but your fallback was television. My fallback was TV. Yeah, so you always knew that so was what you wanted to do. as soon as I started as a runner, I realised it was the industry I wanted to work. I wanted to be an actor when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I got to about 15, 16, and about halfway through my own, my own drama GCSE exam, a little voice in my head went, yeah, I'm not good enough to do this. And then went, but hang on, yeah, but I do like doing this. Mm. I like communicating and I like being on stage. And I think that, I think I've got something. So then I wanted to work in telly, but I was really good at politics. So I studied politics and got, it was the only A I've ever got was an A in politics. And I should have studied history as well. Then I started as a runner. I got a job, mm. I was lucky enough to get a job as a runner. Like sent off 300 letters and got, 290 no's and a couple of maybes and all you need is the one, one yes or two do you mind if I don't yeah and then I got yeah I got one <laughs> you yes you got a reply and then yeah and then that's the, you know that's like you said that's the that's the that's the hand in the rock then isn't it you've just mm-hmm. got your, your you're holding on to the precipice but you're there yeah and then you just got to climb yourself up and and so you know luck talent hard work that's the that's that what I always say is equal thirds that's how you make it and you're quite good as well so that that, that, that that helps out too <laughs> I always do my homework and I always um and it's a weird thing with scripts then because because like you know my mates that are actors say obviously they learn and they learn they know their scripts inside out mm-hmm. so when they are out in theater they they know exactly where they are and they know what they're doing TV's different so I write my scripts with Ivor Baddiel or David's mm-hmm. brother and there's a thing where, you know, you've got the prompt and everything, but you don't want to use the prompt as a prompt. You don't you, you don't want to know it, and at the same time, you don't want to not know it. Mm-hmm. So you've almost got to know the script. So if, if it all goes tits up, you know where you're going. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I always do before I go on telly is go, where am I going to be at the end of this part? Where am I going to be at the end of this? So if it all piece? disappears, so you know how to end it off. I can ad-lib it, and I know I can get to where I'm yeah. going. But it's being in there. But I didn't know that. I didn't know that you wanted to be an actor. Yeah. And then I thought it was going to be a chef. Really? Yeah. What happened well, to you? Are you a good cook? Do you yeah, cook at home? very good cook. But I was you? easily distracted. Okay. That's not for me to say I'm a good cook, but I think I'm a good cook. You've uh, just said it. E- yeah, I did, didn't I? Yeah. Easily distracted at school. 
I went to a, I went to a Catholic school over here, which um, was a very very good school. I went to a convent with the nuns. A very good but, school, yeah. but my my Catholic school was essentially it was quite academically. It's a very good school now, but academically at the time it wasn't a particularly good school. But what it was was it was quite it was everything I love about it's everything you want the Catholic Church to be because it was about social empowerment and we had these four kind of firebrand priests three Irish, one English, in our local church who, like, would be involved in, like, the solidarity movement, <laughs> you know? So you'd yeah. leave school. Everyone left school a member of Amnesty, but you largely probably left with two GCSEs. So I left with, uh, with a good idea about the world without really having any academic qualifications whatsoever. So I loved school, but it wasn't mm. academically, it wasn't my thing. And then I went to sixth form, and then suddenly something clicked at sixth form where I was kind of able to... It's trying to figure out what you want to do as well. Like, like, there's so much pressure. I even like I've got younger brothers and stuff, and from such a young age, trying to know like at sixteen, fifteen, what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, and now, um, oh god, I, so unfair on the fifteen, sixteen. So unfair. Year and now my friend looks like my mom actually looks after this little kid, and uh, I was like, "What do you want to do when you're older?" He's like a vlogger. I'm like, "Oh, we didn't have that in my time. <laughs> might, we didn't know, have vlogging." He dies inside when you hear that. You're like, "Oh god." <laughs> we were talking about music and. Um, we're both huge music fans and the next is Edith Bowman's podcast Soundtracking which I love um, I'm a huge oh. Edith Bowman fan anyway because she started out MTV News which was yeah. my first job yeah. and I look I look to her as a huge role model as do I do to you as well and um, oh, I just love movies and I love the music side of things and with podcasts I didn't realise this because I remember she did something on Radio 6 uh-huh. similar to this yeah. and she said it just never really clicked with the yeah. audience so she just decided let's Move this to Which a different is one platform. One of the reasons why I've picked this because it's it, the podcast itself is brilliant. Yeah, and Edith's a brilliant interviewer, and the people she has, uh, terrific. And so she's obviously well respected because yeah. she gets those people. But this this podcast is many many ways how she gets there and how she's got to making it the success it is and how respected it is is as interesting as the people she interviews mm-hmm. and as admirable as as the esteem that her guests hold her in mm-hmm. is how her tenacity and intelligence and fight in a time when it probably wasn't easy to get something like this off the ground Mm -hmm. when no one's helping her Mm -hmm. she completely did it off her own back with a little microphone and turning up with you know wherever they were she'd go and interview them the wonderful thing about the world as it is at the moment is when I first started out in telly and maybe I still do I was all I wanted when I was in my twenties was I want a talk show, and that's that for me was the mecca. I want to talk. I, I desperately want to talk show. And then you get to an age and you go, you can't sit around and wait for this thing to come to you mm-hmm. by virtue of the fact you're on telly. Mm-hmm. You just got to go and if you want to be an interviewer and you want to be respected as an interviewer, just go and do it. And you know, Edith has that diktat where she's where this is a prime example of that where she's gone. I'm just going to make this content myself, mm-hmm. and. She started from the ground up with a good reputation and a uh, a respect as a good interviewer. But by God, look at it now. You know, she's flying. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, I suppose, specific niche as well. Um, and what I love as well, because a lot of these, especially with films coming out, I think she had Danny Boyle on when Trainspotting 2 came out. Yeah. And they must be doing the rounds, doing all the big interviews about the film. And then you can see the person being interviewed gets so excited because they're talking about the music or you know, not the same old questions that they're being asked everywhere else. Yeah, that's a really clever yeah. sort of editorial point, isn't it, mm. really? that she's, she's like, I remember I, I did one of the first ever pilot, uh, junkets I did uh, was for Rush Hour 2. But the whole thing was, I was doing like a uh, pre me getting T4, I was mm-hmm. doing these little shows. I was on, when I was on like lunch, I was, I was a warm up guy mm-hmm. as well as a researcher. And then Andy Peters came on and saw me do warm up and said, listen, I think I've, I, I might be able to, I can't get you a job, but I can get you some screen tests. I'm Please starting. tell me Andy Peters said he found you. Because every time I meet Andy Peters, he says, I created that. I found that. He did, to be fair. Uh, yes, yeah. he did. He definitely owns, I owe a big debt to Andy. And Andy said, look, I can't, um, I had a coffee with Andy mm-hmm. and, he, and he said, look, I can't give you a job, but I'll give you some screen tests. And I got this job and it was kind of a, a magazine sports show, me and Margarita Taylor. Mm. It's the first gig together. Uh, we were doing a piece on Jackie Chan and I went to this junket. Yeah. And the, the relief that I remember they felt when I walked in, I just want to talk about Jackie Chan. And I'm like, oh God, thank God. It's not a question about my character or 
the yeah. action sequences I've got to do. And everyone just eulogized about Jackie Chan. And, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I can, you know, I remember that stuck with me. Yeah. So it must be wonderful for Edith to go in and go, let's talk about, you know, Morricone or, <laughs> you know, yeah. and just be able to talk about the marvelous Something different musical. for a change. And even, um, like, obviously, Peaky Blinders is huge at the moment. And she had um, Killian Murphy and Anthony Byrne. Yeah. It just makes you think of things differently because obviously the music used in that is like new artists against this kind of old school yeah. backdrop. Yeah. Um, I mean, Nick Cave, the level yeah. Cave is wonderful. Killian, welcome back to Soundtracking. Thank you. Anthony, welcome to Soundtracking. Thank you. I'm so excited about the new series Peaky Blinders. I haven't seen a thing. Yes. So I'm coming to this blind in terms of where you are sonically with it. Yeah. But this is a series, obviously, historically, that has this amazing landscape of music attached to it. I guess the one thing that you can't change is that theme tune. Do you think of it as the Nick Cave track? I tune? think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is, isn't it? It's become it? part of the DNA of the show, I think. Mm. Yeah, it's iconic. Take a little walk to the edge of town Go across the track where the viaduct looms like a bird of doom as a ship and crack. Where secrets lie in the border fires and the humming wires. Yeah, man, you know you're never coming back. Across the square, past the bridge, past the mills, past the stacks. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. start on the music and when did you start thinking about music for this series what is your favorite soundtrack of all time uh, as in and if, of you just a film of a film that doesn't have to be something the music, yeah, music from, a from a film, film yeah what a great question one of my favorite um movies was heat by michael yeah. man's heat and mm-hmm. moby did a lot of the work on that and it's kind of a love letter to los angeles and for all its kind of faults and quirks and weirdnesses it's it does the the thing about LA I love is the light, and actually this is, for the most part, quite a nocturnal film. But it's, but the way the music, I think I think Moby does most of the music. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I love about Moby, but it's not to change the subject. But you know he gives his music for free. Does if you really? make a short film or anything for any independent films, you can use any Moby track for free. It's a lovely interviewee, Moby. Yeah, really nice chap. It's a song. Those songs are so powerful. And I said, you'll hear that song somewhere look else. Now. Look it up now and see what it is. We can edit it in as though like you knew what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I do that all the time. Kind of recording. Um, but then, you know, every time you hear that song, it'll bring you back to that particular moment uh, in that film. Yeah. Um, no, it's huge. Just speaking of films, I love. Uh, have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy? The soundtrack yes. of that. Oh, oh great soundtrack. Ooga chaka, Hooked on a feeling. Oh. I kind of tried to get away after I saw that the first time. I tried. I tried. What to- do you mean you tried to get away? tried to get away with oh I was like where are you going on my radio show I started putting like songs in and not claiming them as my own choices okay, yeah. but, tra- but without referencing and some guy just emailed some guy just t- tweeted in went you're just playing Guardian, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack and I was like ah shit <laughs> you're totally busted smart move though I great selection yeah. great selection Dermot O'Leary you are an Arsenal fan oh yeah don't remind me I mean it's not the best time for you at the moment it's bad uh, footballistically, <laughs> Arsenal. Arsenal. So my friend Boyd Hilton makes this podcast. Uh, Heat magazine. Yeah. and He's Five Live, BBC Five Live BBC as well. BBC Five Live does a lot of stuff with BAFTA, he's a mm-hmm. good interviewer. And I, and I sort of, for the first few, I was on it. So it was me, my friend Daniel Baldwin, yeah. and Boyd, and we all sit together yeah. at Arsenal. So he just invites friends. I mean, I find it, it enrages me quite a lot mm-hmm. because it's football, so therefore... You know, I get, but I'm quite a tolerant football fan. 
I always think um, for my football skills because I used to live right beside the stadium, Arsenal Stadium. Did you? Yeah, my dad was very excited when I moved to London because I was so near the stadium, and he's he's a Leeds fan, but yeah. sure, that's from old time. So I remember going to Arsenal, and when I was younger, my dad used to bring me to matches. But when I, oh, that's I and nice. it was lovely, but like he had a girl, he didn't have a boy at that stage, so yeah. I kind of had to do. I was like, I want to go to the ballet, didn't happen. But I remember bringing my dad to the Arsenal, and I just remember thinking it was so lovely. Yeah, because I didn't have that experience from other games that I went to, yeah. and. Um, yeah, this because is a, of the new stadium or the old stadium. This has been the new. Stadium. This is the new stadium that I went to, but I just remember just just this lovely atmosphere, and I, it's not I, like that anymore. No. The old stadium was beautiful. Yeah, and I really I miss it in many ways. So, I mean, I love Arsenal. You, know, you have my to stick, team, you have and to they're stay always going to be my yeah. team. I get a bit frustrated though that, like football, really is it's it's the same game that's been played for a hundred years, mm-hmm. and it's the same like. These players aren't any better than they were in the 1950s. But because the money's in it, the expectation level is so high. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they've got better diet, better training, blah, blah, blah. But the skill set is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So therefore, they will make mistakes like people made in the 1950s and 60s and 70s. But they'll pay for it. Let's just be a little bit more tolerant about it. At the moment, it just feels like someone makes a mistake, everyone gets on their back and I get really... Frustrated with that. But there's passionate, and then there's but then there's also people who go to football matches not necessarily for the sport but for the fight. Funny, and that's James Corden thing. said that to me years ago. He said, Corden said, the thing about football is most people that go and scream. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Aren't screaming at the football, they're screaming no. at something they're quite unhappy about. Themselves, yeah, yeah. 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 That's interesting. Alan Carter's a great story, sorry to name drop, because Alan, Alan's dad a, is a, a football scout, very yeah. successful football yeah. scout. And you talk about your dad taking you to football, and um, it Gets reminded me will. of Alan's story. Alan, <laughs> Alan said that his dad, when his dad was manager in Northampton Town, yeah. he'd be sort of, you know, North, Northampton would score. And, he'd, and his dad would turn around and look up, see if Alan was watching. And so Alan would be like nose deep in an Agatha Christie novel going, oh, yeah, lovely dad, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah, wonderful. <laughs> but you can just imagine little I, 10-year-old um, Alan Carr doing that. Guy. I went to see Snow Patrol last night, Royal Albert Hall, which is one of the most breathtaking gigs I ever went to. And, and in front of me was a couple with their kid who was sitting down with headphones on watching Peppa Pig on oh. a phone. And I was like, oh. this child is witnessing something special. And just absolutely, but I think that just happens in every new generation. Yeah. There's always going to be some. Thing. Set your fire to the third bar. Take your headphones off. I was like, you look back in twenty years' time and realize this was a special time. Um, <laughs> this is um, this is a great podcast. Ways to change the world. This is Christian and Guru Murthy. Yeah. Um, obviously, the incredible Channel Four newscaster. Yes. But this is taking it to. I suppose when you do news, not that there's an agenda, but you know, it's news, and you can't really get too deep and nitty gritty. Especially and, with politics, because yeah. politics seems to be can't so have an opinion. kind of abrasive in terms of. A lot of interviewers don't wait for the question to be answered and, and then politicians will just, understandably, because politicians will just deflect the answer. And you, mm-hmm. so you, you know, there aren't many great things that, there aren't, well, there aren't any great things that have come out of Brexit. But one thing, I, the two things I thought that I found refreshing in dialogue were, one, cabinet collective responsibility was relaxed for a little while. So you genuinely heard ministers of the government saying, I don't know the answer to that question. And it endeared me. I them. love that. Exactly. If you don't, just, I don't know. Yeah. Just say that. I think this might happen, but I don't know. Yeah. And secondly, it's engaged people, particularly younger people in, in, in politics. But I find watching politicians be interviewed very frustrating. But, and I'd love to media train some of the politicians that I like. Did you do a lot of media training? No, I didn't do any. 
But I think they make Alaska do it. I think I could be quite good there. Yeah. Because I just want them to answer the question and yeah. and don't be scared of answering the question and then back up why you've got your opinion. So mm-hmm. don't deflect. Say yes or no and then give me a, then give me a reason why. Whoever wants to stitch you up is going to stitch you up anyway. Mm-hmm. So what I love about this podcast, mm-hmm. going back to yeah. your question, what I love about Christian is he, because it's ways to change the world, he will open up and let these people extrapolate. Mm-hmm. And so so you immediately see them from all shades of the political spectrum mm-hmm. just relax a little bit and they're able to give their views and opinions and how they see the world and how they change the world. David Lammy did a great one, I mm-hmm. heard. Rory Stewart, I think, did a really good one. You also want to be in the hope business. <laughs> you want to be in the hope business. You know, uh, and uh, certainly when you're a Christian. And I find myself, the battle is perhaps the hope, but God, we're a long way off where we need to be. Yeah, you want you want to be inspiring people. I do. Slit their wrists because they're so but I mean, but 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 clearly when and when people say to me, they say all the bloody time at the moment, oh, you're so passionate, passionate really winds me up because it's like I, I sort of think, well, hang on, is that really about me? How can you not be passionate about 72 people burning to death in a preventable fire? How can you not be passionate about people who paid their taxes a British being deported like animals, dying on the streets of Kingston unnecessarily, separated from their children. That Surely that statement says far more about some of my colleagues. I think that's why podcasts are so popular at the moment. And, and even you can see a change in social media. And I even know myself from doing interviews in the past, I've always told, don't give away too much of yourself. And then, which is not, just such a nonsense. Not, but then you get to say, it's actually... Fact that like yeah. I, I it's, you have a voice and use it and be honest yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think people, even with politicians, as you said, say I don't know. No one's going to think less of you. And if you're not happy about something, I I remember having um, Stella Creasy, the Labour uh, TD, or TD, yeah. that's Irish MP. Sorry, I love uh, the TD. TD <laughs> sorry, TD is like an Irish thing for an MP. Um, it's a North Dublin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she does. It's very similar to London. Um, but I. Yeah, I remember having her on on the show, and she was she got quite emotional. On this or um, on no, the five it was on Five Live show, and um, like she's heavily pregnant, and she's yeah, having quite a lot of. She was just getting a lot of stick, and she got emotional saying it's hard. Same thing when uh, Meghan Markle kind of came out saying it's tough, and yeah. I suppose in the past it's always been to protect any sort of emotion because emotion was something bad, yeah. and and now with podcasts, a you've got longer with people, yes. um, and b you're connecting to an audience and you're thinking, oh, this person is a human being. Um, you had uh, Ed Miliband. Yeah. And I said, oh, he's quite funny. He was brilliant. He's funny. And the thing is, media on Twitter, and I say Twitter because it's limited characters, therefore there's no room for, there's no room for nuance or debate, mm-hmm. will always look for a soundbite. So those things are going to happen mm-hmm. whether you give an hour-long interview or give a five-minute interview. So don't worry about it because mm-hmm. there's always going to be people taking that out of context. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. You don't want it to happen, but if it happens, it happens. So have the courage to go on and talk about your ideas. And that's what I love about Krishna. He gives them that platform. And mm-hmm. he's, and he, uh, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a brilliant journalist. Yeah. So he knows his stuff. Must be exciting for him, though, from coming from a news background and to then have the time and space to interview and go deeper. And it's, it's, um, it's positive. Yeah, you're not you're not trying to catch people out, which yeah. sometimes with I know coming from a newsroom when I started out working in a newsroom, always felt like we we're supposed to catch someone out, no, get the sound bite. Shame. It is, isn't it? But that's kind of how you were. Oh, they said something, or they even if they said something wrong, once it's said and you've recorded it, that's what you which can is use. Quite often, why I think when politicians go on, um, what they would consider to be light touch TV shows. Mm-hmm. You, in many ways, sometimes you get more out of them. I remember when, I think it was Tony Blair was on Fern Britain years ago and I can't remember what the scoop was, but it, there was there was something that, that that she got. But when Corbyn went on this morning, mm. that's the first apology, you know, he's been, he, he gave to the party's controversy with anti-Semitism. Takes a bit of Schofield, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, because, the, because the line, even though Philip was, quite abrasive in his mm-hmm. questioning it because it, it's it's just a slightly more benign experience rather mm-hmm. than going on Andrew Neil or one of the more political uh, mm-hmm. traditional political um, shows where the team will be around going don't say this say this and actually I think I don't think any any 
nothing good can really come from that. Mm-hmm. We just want honesty from our politicians. And actually, I think... It's, can it's, you imagine, yeah, can you imagine if you got honesty from our politicians? Well, I think we do from some. Yeah. I think they're so, like backbench MPs, mm. I think you get a lot of honesty from. I just think that sometimes, you know, this, I think collective cabinet responsibility is is kind of... I think it does harm the message sometimes because mm. we don't really... Get, I want to see what these people think. And the, uh, uh, political parties are, are broad churches that so should be allowed to disagree. And go, mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I, I see the faults in this, but as a party, we've agreed to do it rather than stick to the like strong and stable. Yeah. Like if I hear those slogans again from mm-hmm. all sides. Obviously, like, nothing is strong or stable at the moment. Um, Way to change the world, uh, Christian Gurumurthy. He was um, nominated for Best Moment for the 2019 British Podcast Awards for the Jamila Jamil episode. Don't know if you heard that no, one. No, I didn't. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a brilliant one. It's very open, very honest. And, and he's, um, there's another one, John Ronson. I became obsessed with you. Do, you. Have you read any John Ronson's books? Yeah, and I, I met John. John's a, I interviewed John on the oh. radio years ago. He's a lovely man. I am... Um, because I talked about, I did that, um, I listened to your podcast when I was doing the road trip last month. And I went to listen to an episode of The Last Days of August, which was one of the podcasts that he, he does mm-hmm. about this um, the porn, porn industry and this porn star who who passed away. And uh, I went to listen to one, his voice. I, I just listened to the whole thing yeah. straight away. Lilting, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of. And trusting. Yeah. And it's just like you as well. That's why you've got a very trusting, oh, trusting voice. And um, I... Gay Byrne, who is an incredible broadcaster, Irish broadcaster, yeah, who passed away passed recently. Away, yeah. And Did you ever meet Gay? I did. Did you? Yeah, but it was like pre-TV or anything. I was just in RT waiting at the reception. And I was, uh, I think I was, I think I was still studying journalism at the time. And I think I was there to do an interview with Ryan Tuberty, yeah. who's another broadcaster. And um, I just heard this voice. Another, it's like hearing your dad's voice or something. Sure. You just turn around and it was... Uh, Gay burn, and um, I remember when it came about in Ireland when it was repealing the Eighth Amendment, mm-hmm. and um, people were going around canvassing. And when Gay Burn came out, uh, and he kind of spoke about between repealing the Eighth and gay marriage, and and there was someone saying, "Well, if Gay thinks that, it must be okay," because he was trusted. And I think sometimes it even just comes from a voice or from mm. someone who's in your house all the time. But just going back to John Ronson, and and same with Christian, actually, it's when you hear that really familiar, safe. You trust yeah, them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I you've got that. I remember, oh, I don't know. You do have that. I remember I interviewed um, Liam Neeson a couple of years ago and someone said, what, is it, what was he like? What did he sound like? I said, he sounds like an oak tree. <laughs> an oak tree? <laughs> he, sounds like, I, he sounds like what I imagine God would sound like. <laughs> he does. Who? But what did he do? Oh, no, he was in um, Narnia. He does yes. Have, yes. Aslan, wasn't he? Aslan. So, I mean, if you don't trust Aslan, who are you going to trust? <laughs> um, so, I want to talk about, oh, the Two Shot podcast. Thank you for recommending this, because I didn't know about this. Isn't he terrific? His voice. It's the, um, it's the hey, Bla- Blackpool. Isn't that where he's from? How are you doing? You're right. It's Craig here. <laughs> Get your podcast on. Brilliant. But I listened to it after I'd seen Line of Duty. Yeah. So I don't want to give too much away. Once again, it's kind of not dissimilar to the Edith kind of do it up from your bootstraps kind of podcast. I asked him how it came about. Don't invite an interviewer into doing a podcast and not expect <laughs> him to ask a few questions. I've so, noticed this. Uh, yeah. Um, I went in and uh, did it with him and lovely, there's a lovely old bakery in Soho called Maison Bertou. He mm-hmm. must have been there. It's great. It's mm-hmm. like, you can't walk in and not have a gatto. Yeah, it's yeah, one yeah, of those yeah. sort of places. Yeah. And he, downstairs there, I did it with him. And I think he was just being sent a lot of scripts that he wasn't overly um, enamoured with. Mm. The parts he was getting offered, I guess. And he just, he thought it'd be really interesting to interview some people. And he started. And then it's kind of, it's just one of those great kind of word of mouth um, pods and, and he's done yeah he's done so well I think he's on episode like 100 or something now yeah 106 episodes he won best culture podcast at the British Podcast Awards and he started I think with the first 20 or something or mm-hmm. maybe maybe more where he just interviewed actors about acting mm-hmm. and then he's he's kind of extrapolated to yeah, other creative industries now he's uh, great he's a lovely guy and I said well I've had this this idea that that I think could work it was the germs of an idea at the time when we were filming in Belfast Went for a steak. She said this. Got his email. We started talking on the email. We met in Manchester with a list of like 30 names and loads of people and then whittled it down to mm-hmm. the Two Shot Podcast because when we're filming, if we were filming this now, gotcha. it would be gotcha. a visual two shot. This is a sonic two shot. It just goes to show where my mind goes because I was like, do they have two shots? When they, do they just like, I'll have a shot and you have a shot and then we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a podcast. It's not that kind of podcast. I'm like, oh, <laughs> He had Jodie Whittaker on an episode and she asked to be on. 
He said it was the first time that he was contacted saying. Yeah, and Jodie Comer came on. Jodie Comer went on yeah. that, like before she blew Eve, up. Eve, yeah. One, literally saying this is the only one I want to do. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't know about this. I said, thank you. Isn't it great? Thank you so much for that. But how did you find when you were on with him? Did you just do that thing where you just asked the questions back then? No, I tried not the whole to. Time? He's a very, he's once again, he's got a lovely voice. And he's, a, you know, I, I, he's one of those people that the modern world's weird like this. Like you and me met before Twitter. We met sort of socially, whether it's through Friends yeah, of Friends, London Irish Centre, ITV, a bit of everything. I right? think I did that thing when I knew you off the telly, so I felt I knew you right. anyway. So I probably just. But we got to know each friendly, other, yeah. you know, as it as we were, as we went along. So you get to know someone, then you meet them again. You get mm. to know them a bit, a bit more. Mm. Like how the world's always functioned. Mm. Whereas with social media, you have that thing where you get to know people virtually before you meet them sometimes and they follow you and you follow them and you like their things and you sort of like give a little pithy comment on their stuff yeah. and they obvi- then you realise you've got the sense, same sense of humour. But you've never so, met them. But you never met them. Yeah. So I'd sort of, and I'd retweeted a few links to the two shot because yeah. I, it was really good, which he appreciated. And so we sort of knew each other before we knew each other that in that kind of weird, wonderful way the world is nowadays. Mm-hmm. Was he everything you thought he'd be and more? more. Is he yeah. really tall? And handsome. Is he? Yeah. He's, because that's the thing though with actors and I, do you listen to David Tennant's podcast? No. He's I should, shouldn't I? I love David God. Tennant. Do you know what I hate? These actors who are really good at presenting and interviewing, yeah. in, well not presenting, but interviewing Ugh, as well. Ugh, how dare they? Too good at everything else. But um, I don't know, is it because they know the person they're speaking to? But I find with Craig from, I've, I've listened to about two or three of them now, like he listens as well. Yeah. He's very really good at listening. Important. It is good to hear People do. I mean, I never understand the whole. You do one thing, therefore there's no way you could do another thing. Is there? I know. Well, we were talking about that before. Why would we you want to do that because started. you do this thing. Yeah, you should do this thing, not that thing. Don't confuse my mind. You can't possibly do more than one thing. <laughs> With actors as well, when you see them doing promo, or they might do like a Jonathan Ross, or but you never really get to see a lot of them because it's it's, yeah. it's it's edited and it's a short amount of time. Like Jodie Whittaker from doing Craig's and she also has a great one if you listen to David Tennant's one I just fell in love with her because oh, Joe's the best because I I remember from Broadchurch I'm always like oh the poor girl she always has such a hard time and, but, and, then, and then obviously Doctor Who and stuff but I remember thinking this is not who I thought she was at no. all it was wonderful it's nice actually the radio's great for that as well yeah. like I got to know Jodie quite well Jodie mm. came on there's a, a singer kind of folk singer American folk rock singer called The White Buffalo oh. good big guy mm. and um he did the theme tune to Sons of Anarchy, uh, which he didn't write, and so he doesn't really play it live. Mm-hmm. And But he he did the song called I Wish It Were True, which is one of Jodie's favourite songs. And then she was on the radio, and then he was playing that night. So and I, we got on really well, and so we should come to the concert. So we end up, me, her husband, Ben, my producer, and me went... Mm. Went to the gig and then went for dinner and and we sort of kept in touch ever since. And she's yeah, she's she's one of life's great people, isn't she? I've never met her, but Have I you feel not? no, oh, I feel great. but I feel like maybe it's that similar thing from being online and messaging people because I've listened to a few of her podcasts. I feel like I know her quite well. Yeah, great. And yeah, I'll probably just be again over to over familiar with her when I meet her for sure. Right, last one. Here we go. Have we got through them already? Do you know what I love? You give me such a selection. Because and also, uh, who did I have on reason? Oh, Sarah Pascoe. Um, mm. I, Everything was murder. She just, oh, really? yeah. I was like, hmm, hmm, comedian, dark, right? Okay, good to know. Um, you've given me a nice little mixture here. This is uh, we have ways of making you talk. Al Murray and historian James Holland discuss yeah. all matters Second World War. Yeah. So I did a show with James Holland, uh, 2015. Mm-hmm. I had a um, I had an idea. Me and my friend Matt Jones, who's a Spitfire pilot, mm-hmm. who's just literally got back from flying around the world, so he's navigated the globe in this Silver Spitfire. He got back yesterday, landed. So he left. I I helped him with the... Uh, he left, must have left in August. Wow. And like I said, I love history and politics. Mm-hmm. And and when I was a kid, you like, you know, the, you know, the war is in kind of living memory of, of your... I mean, I didn't... I was All my family were Irish, so I mm-hmm. didn't have anyone fighting in the, in the war. But it was, it was very much... I grew up just outside London uh, and it was kind of airfields and bomber crews and stuff. So it was kind of part of... The history of the local area, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I found that quite interesting. But as I've got older, I find what I'm interested about war isn't necessarily... It's ordinary people put in extraordinary circumstance. Mm. And so we had this um, 
Matt said, well, I've, I've come up with, I've got this idea that we're going to do this kind of massive flyby on the 75th anniversary of Battle of Britain Day, which is the 15th of September. And the day before, well, do you think we can pitch a documentary? And I said, well, I'll try. So me, I hooked up with a company I worked with on the show called Life and Space a couple of years before, mm. Arrow. And so we, I hooked up with them and we made this documentary about Battle of Britain Day. So I spent most of my summer that year with, a, with he's passed away now, with a guy called Tom Neal, Tom Ginger. Uh, Neil, who was a who's a who was a hurricane Spitfire pilot, and um, and James was our historian on mm-hmm. the documentary. And James is a lovely guy. I mean, he runs his own history festival down in Chalk Valley, I think it is near Glastonbury, okay. and he's just interested in bringing the war to light and un- untold stories mm-hmm. and looking the at things human elements. Yes, yeah. exactly. Looking at things a different way. I mean, he's a bit more. He's incredible probably good at the sort of the tactics and yeah. the politics and stuff, which is very interesting from a historical point of view as well. Um, and he was our expert on it. So the combination of the two of them, they play yeah, off right. each other really well. So to kick things off, we have an email sent by... Um, there's no actual indication of how old this person is, but they're using the email, so there's a clue, um, about Red Cross parcels. Because a few podcasts ago, before Christmas, we talked about... Someone asked about Red Cross parcels, and you and I didn't know. We didn't know, did we? We drew a no, complete blank. No, we didn't know. No, it's and, one of those things you just take for granted. It just happened. Yeah, exactly. So he says, hi, gents, love the podcast, etc., etc." Just listening to your podcast discussion about how Red Cross parcels and post and passengers in general got through between warring states and to POWs. I'm no expert, but a couple of points. As regards travelling and mail between occupied Europe and the rest of the world, Lisbon played an important role. There were scheduled BOAC flights from London to Lisbon, as well as Lufthansa flights from Lisbon to Madrid and onwards to the rest of occupied Europe. As late as September 44, the Lufthansa route net would have allowed you to fly from Lisbon to Helsinki. Although God knows how long it would have taken. And I would not want to have been on the Madrid to Stuttgart or the Berlin-Stockholm leg with the marauding RAF and Red Air Force fighters around. These planes would obviously have taken mail as well. As for Red Cross parcels themselves, they were shipped to Lisbon as well under escort from the US, the UK and Canada, then loaded onto a Red Cross ship to the south of France and thence transported to Geneva. From there, they were transported to the individual POW camps. As far as I know, the Red Cross organised this and presumably the Wehrmacht, Wehrmacht was happy to let them as it meant they didn't have to feed POWs as much as they would otherwise. Anyway, good work on oh, the podcast. absolutely amazing. That is fascinating, isn't it? Isn't it? It's what people think of Al as the, you know, the pub landlord. Oh. I didn't realise that he'd um, he'd read modern history at Oxford. Um, I did actually a po- podcast with him recently, um, Colin Murray's one, Blood on the Tracks. Right, yeah. And he's, like, Al Murray's in a band. Oh, yeah, he's like, T-34. Yeah, yeah, and, like, he loves Queen. Which is like a and, Russian tank. Yeah, it's yeah, nice, yeah, yeah. And I just, I know, need to see, and that's what, another thing why I love podcasts, is that you just find these other interests that these people that you have in your life as being in this one box, yes, basically. And definitely. Like, what? I know all this. Yeah, yeah, it's a fascinating character. And another thing, I like to listen to podcasts because they make me smarter. So if I listen to something like this, I'm like, I, that's, a, that's great to have around a pub. I've got, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That's what I love. Bring up, I don't know where I learned that story, but I've got a story for you. One good thing. Second good thing. Okay. I've, for my birthday this year, mm-hmm. Dee got me, a, my wife got me a, a walk with a London guide, a wonderful chap called Simon. And we started at the, he does them all over the town. Yeah. They're like blue badge walks. So mm-hmm. we started at the north side of Blackfriars Bridge. Yeah. And then we went south and went all along. So he talked all about the Globe Theatre and how the, the like, theatre started up around that way. It's like a theatrical tour. I ended up in this pub near Borough, which is one of the first kind of um, inns that also doubled up as a theatre. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get great little tidbits about London. So for Dee's one, we, we did a we did a Hampstead walk. We went up to Hampstead and did a bit of the Heath and all. So the three of you just walking around, yeah. yeah. Because the interesting thing about this. But then the next time you're walking around Hampstead with someone, you're like, "Did you know?" Hell yeah! I love Do that. Do you want a little tip? It. Go on, tell me some. So, Give me some. Blackfriars Bridge. Yeah. On one side, on the side of the bridge, you've got engravings of seabirds. On the other side, you've got engravings of freshwater birds because traditionally that's where the seawater stops. The tide, the sea tide, meets the freshwater tide. I mean, I'm going to tell that to somebody else and I carry it on. It'll be Chinese whispers. By the end of it, you'll be like, there's dragons <laughs> on one side and then there's these caterpillars the on the other side. Yeah, the <laughs> young children. Um, speaking of just stories and real stories, um, you had those two women, Pat and... Oh, Pat and Jean. Pat and Jean. Again, just going back to your podcast. Actually, yeah. So I what I try and do... So if you've got, say we do six episodes, I want yeah. to get an activist or yeah. a politician 
or I want to, I want to get someone who's part who's part of an extraordinary moment in history. Mm-hmm. I want to get someone who has uh, done something incredible in sport, uh, theatre, or acting. These two. Where did Gina, you find them? Gina, but, you know, Ben. I said me and my producer Ben sat down and said we should do something on Bletchley, mm. and. Uh, he went away and he came back and I, he said, I found these two. He went, we went through Bletchley Park, which is a brilliant museum to mm-hmm. go to. And um, we found these two kind of decipherers and co-breakers. One was based up in um, the northeast coast, I think, and moved around a fair bit. And then one was in Bletchley. But fascinating characters. It's, it's a brilliant one to listen to. If you haven't listened to, to Dermot, it's, br- it's brilliant. They're wonderful. It's they? really great. I'm looking forward to seeing who you're going to have on for the... For the second yeah. series, because you've been busy, X Factor stuff. Should yeah. we just should we mention X Factor? Busy, busy. <laughs> X Factor, and I've just done, I've just finished this show called Real Stories, which yeah. is um, uh, a little baby pet project as well. Oh. So that's on the on the on the beep, and that's um, we do it for BBC Music. So yeah. I, we did first one was Kylie, second one was yeah. Noel Gallagher, yeah, and we just finished it. We did Rod Stewart the other day. So oh, I saw the picture on I'm Instagram. That, so we signed off signed off the Rod Stewart edit yesterday mm-hmm. so we just the idea is you take it's got podcast elements about it strangely I mean even mm. though it's for telly you take people uh, get them in a, a little viewing room or cinema and you get them 10 11 clips mm-hmm. they won't have seen before and don't tell them what the clips are and then you play them and then you just that's just a springboard for where are you in your life at that point Kylie and Noel were, were relatively easy because over 20, 30 years you can tell that story yeah. chronologically. Yeah. With Rod, you've got so much longer and you've got so much more. Yeah. So you've got, a, you know, it's only a five hour, hour show. show. <laughs> it's a five exactly, hour show. Yeah. So you really have to pick and choose, yeah. so was, which was a harder discipline, but I loved it. And then the books. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you've got how many out now? Well, you've got the Glastonbury one. Yeah, Glastonbury. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there. So yeah, I've got three and then yeah. I've got a, I've, I need to start doing the fourth. When do you soon. when do you write? I write normally the first half, first quarter of the year. Okay. Uh, try and deliver it in in March. When do you go well. on holidays and stuff? When do you sleep? When's that happening now? Well, <laughs> <laughs> when, do you, when do you do that? Maybe. You, what time did you finish work at last night? Four a.m. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did... We've got a little place in Italy, so we go out there. That's where the cats came from. Oh yeah, yeah, I knew yeah. that. Many cats do you have now? Two. Two. Yeah. Room for a third? No. No. I mean. No. The two of them would not like that. It's hard enough to broker the peace between those two. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Dermot. Loved it. It's been a hoot. Loved it. Thank you. Thank you. And that's it. Another episode down as we delve deep into my guest's audio world. I hope you get cast away by today's top podcast picks. Yeah, I just said that, sorry. All of the podcasts we've mentioned today are included in the episode show notes. Now, if you love this conversation as much as I did, please share your thoughts by leaving a review. And if you'd like to receive weekly installments of Cast Away delivered straight to your phone, hit the subscribe button. Until next time, that's it from me. Take care. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.